0: you're the big sky you're the big blue sky and all these emotions are just clouds like just passing through and if you sit long enough they do pass and if you do that consistently you learn like that's not me i'm not scared that's just an emotion
1: hello hello and welcome back to the i'm lost so what podcast in today's episode i've got my friend Iko smith she her who is a mindfulness teacher speaker and writer Aiko is a two times TEDx speaker, mother of three, mindfulness facilitator, coach, and teacher trained by UCLA's Semmel Institute of Neuroscience and Human Behaviors Mindfulness Awareness Research Center. Driven by creating a kinder, more compassionate country, Aiko has devoted her life and career to teaching how to use evidence based mindfulness practices and tools in daily life to keep mentally fit. As a thought leader, she envisions a society liberated from unnecessary suffering content warning on this episode, we do get into talks around depression, anxiety, racism, and white supremacy. I'm really excited for you all to take a listen to this. Aiko and I met at our TEDx talk back in December 2021 in LA. And I know this conversation is going to explore lots of that tension feeling that I love exploring on this podcast. So without further ado, let's just get into it. Hello, hello, everyone. I'm Cassandra Lay, and you're listening to I'm Lost, So What? The podcast exploring between belonging and carving your own path. For all the peeps out there who kind of know what you're doing, but still question, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, I'm with you. Hey, Aiko.
0: Hello. I'm super...
1: Oh, I was going to say I'm super excited to have you here.
0: I am. I've been thinking about it for
1: weeks I'm so excited to talk to you yeah and it's also so good to see you well you all don't know this but I can see I go you all can't yes it's been a while I know it's been a couple months maybe a year it's too long I know eventually we'll like meet up again in person hopefully somewhere in the world we hopefully where you are yeah, uh, maybe not in the summertime because it's like too hot. It's like a hundred plus <laughs> um, here, so you don't want to be here right now. You don't want to be here either. I'm in Vegas. It was,
0: I'm not kidding, a hundred and eighteen degrees. Uh, yeah, it's okay. Hot.
1: So it is about the same here because this week it's like a hundred and five, mm. and we also have. I think you have dry heat over there, so we have dry heat where we are. So it's not so bad in the shade, but it's hot.
0: Yeah, it's hot. And we just had a weird storm. So, remember, hurricane? I don't know if you heard, we had a hurricane. Oh, yes, I remember. Hurricane Hillary. And so it's been humid, but like in the desert, it's been very strange. It makes me afraid for the future.
1: Yeah, Yeah, what an interesting sensation. Really weird. Yeah. But now it's just hot. Oh, gosh. Yay, Mm -hmm. for heat. So (laughs) I am really excited for this conversation. And I guess let's just dive into it because I feel like we've got lots to talk about. So first thing that I always like to ask people is what does being lost mean to you? And can you describe the feeling of being lost? Being lost to me means not being
0: where you intended on being and then being caught between where you intended on being, and then where you actually are.
2: Mm.
0: For me, that's that's the feeling that I have when I'm lost. Not exactly where I intended on being, and then just being caught in a struggle
1: mm. uh, between the reality and then where I want to go. Do you think it's like, I don't know if this is like, a I would categorize anything as good or bad, but I guess... Because I mean, we're going to get into this in the conversation about reintegrating your body and mind. So I'm curious to know where does being lost or that feeling of being lost show up in your body? In my body, I think it's like I feel a lot of things in my chest,
2: Mm. Uh,
0: just kind of like a heartbreak, you know? Like if I don't know if you've ever experienced one, but (laughs) you get like a real, like, achy heart, you know? And so, I feel it in my chest a lot. And I think it's the experience is really anxiety and I feel Mm. it in my chest and it's not, I never say negative. Like, I don't think it's like a negative thing. It's a challenge because it's not comfortable, but it does feel like anxiety. It's not comfortable, but it's the energy that makes you aware that it's time to make different choices. Mm. So it's informative. Oh,
1: I love that. And also, I totally understand the achy heart feeling. Um, Mm -hmm. As soon as you said that, I was thinking about my Spotify wrapped, I think from like 2022. And I think that year they were like, here are the top three adjectives to describe like the music that you listen to. And mine was literally yearning. And I was like, wow, (laughs) (laughs) that pretty much describes me
0: yeah, but no, that's what it that's what it feels like. It achy, achy heart, like a um just open an open hearted, a little achy, anxious. Mm. and I guess it also could be excitement too, you know, all things at once. so yeah. excitement anxiety, achy chest, scared. I don't all know of the, all the all of the things things, yes. Yeah.
1: So thanks for describing that. And I love that you like shared all of like these very real emotions, as well as like putting an an example to it of like a broken heart. I do feel like, well, we're going to get into mindfulness now. When people aren't necessarily creating space for mindfulness, do you think that they are aware of these things or like of these feelings of being lost or... Not, I mean, I know that's a a super general question, and every person is like a different case, but do you think people are aware of it? Um, could they like put words to it, or maybe they don't have the language, which is totally fine because I feel like sometimes I didn't have the language to describe how I'm feeling until somebody else described it, right? I think that a lot of people
0: experience the feeling, but then they kind of uh subscribe it to different things, Mm. right? It's hard to admit that you're lost you know, is it's like, it's like, we want to know, we want people to think that we have it all together. We want to think that we have it all together. So just kind of realizing, recognizing, okay, I'm not where I intended to go. And I'm actually here. And I don't really know which way I'm going to go this way or that way. That's a hard thing to admit. And so Before you get get brave and admit like, oh, I'm a little lost here and I don't really know which direction to go, there needs to be like an acceptance. It it is in itself a mindfulness practice. So I think when people aren't mindful and they aren't aware, they could subscribe this feeling to anything, the traffic, uh, Mm -hmm. frustration with your partner, frustration with work or whatever, whatever it is, that it's also a stressor. We put it on those things. It's like a, it's easier. Those are easier things to put that emotion on instead of being like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And <laughs> I don't really know which direction to go now. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's hard. to say. Hey, it's hard to admit. And especially if you're a professional, if you own your own business, if you're an entrepreneur, that's like, you don't want to say, I don't know <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing, you know, because it kind of like, there's the ego involved too, you know, it's difficult. You need to be brave to admit those things. So
1: Mm. not not
0: a lot of people can do
1: it. I don't think. Got it. So then, okay. So we were talking about like the mindfulness practice and can you define what mindfulness is to you and like what a practice actually looks like? Because I realized while you were talking, I was like, maybe people might not know. So in case you don't. So mindfulness is meditation. It's also
0: so many other things. So it's a lens that you view life through where you're open and you're curious and you're kind and compassionate. And it's also a meditation where we're focusing on one area and being really being an observer of our thoughts and feelings and what we're experiencing in this space where we're detached from it. And so, mm. so we could think clearly, we could see clearly. I liken it to like being on the ground, looking at the sky and just noticing the clouds kind of shifting in and out of your experiencing, out of your experience, and then you know, relating to your emotions that way just witnessing and then allowing them to move, um, Mm. you know, in and out of your experience. That's also that's mindfulness. That's that's the meditation. But just being mindful every day is just being present, aware and being brave enough to just keep it real. Mm. Real. This is a challenging emotion. I'm anxious. I'm stressed. I'm lost. uh, I have a heartbreak. I feel this way. Just being able to recognize, accept, investigate, nurture, and not attach to the difficult things that we feel, not let that mean something about us. That's also a mindfulness practice. So it's all encompassing. It really is just like a lens that you view life through.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: so if you're an entrepreneur or, you know, or you have this path of your own that you're carving, it's very necessary because it's so easy to get lost You know, listening to the opinions and perspective of others and letting that kind of deter you away from like what your intentions are. So to be grounded in your purpose, it takes time. It takes space. Like you need a little bit of solitude and you need to give yourself time. So it is a mindful way of living. Hmm. Mindfulness is everything.
1: Everything. Everything. I feel like everything that you just shared, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a lot to pull out from there. Okay, let me see cuz I have so many directions that I want to take this. So something that you shared was I don't want to say being mindful in mindfulness cuz you know that's like defining the word mindful with mindful. Aware. Um, being yes. aware. Being aware and being present of the feelings and emotions that are coming up for you. And then something that you said around like not detaching yourself or no, not attaching or detaching. I think you said not or detaching from that emotion to not make it about you or like letting ego kind of take over. Is that one of like the main struggles or challenges that you see people make when they start to try to keep up with a mindfulness practice? Or is that more of like something that kind of stops people from actually participating in a mindfulness practice? Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. So two ways, like, so
0: I I coach mindful living, like how to take what you do on your meditation cushion and like apply it to how you like move about in the world. So when you're sitting down, practicing mindfulness, you're meditating, you're focusing on something, your breath, um, you could be looking at a candle, you could just whatever, you're focusing on one thing, your attention will leave and then you'll bring it back. So in real life, when you are, when you're just kind of moving about and you're having these emotions, You could just recognize that they're there and it's like not letting them take over. Mm. And so a lot of the times people will be experiencing, you know, you know, you are an entrepreneur, you know, that it's stressful. It's scary. It's all these really challenging emotions. So when you're practicing mindfulness, you could recognize that's scary. I'm not sure. But you won't let those emotions. Drive you Hmm. off the court. Just recognize, like, okay, like Elizabeth Gilbert says, they're in the car. You aware, you, Cassandra, you're sitting and you're driving, but they're scared as a passenger, anxious as a passenger, uh, you know, whatever. They're all passengers in the car, but you are the one in control. You're the one saying you don't have shotgun. You got to sit in the back. I'm not taking direction from any of you guys. I'm in control. Hmm. So. That's, that's how we, that's how we kind of view emotions and how we handle them. You know, they're there, we recognize their existence, but they're just not in the front seat, like aware, grounded, intentional, us, the big I is the one in control.
1: Mm. If
2: that makes sense.
1: I think so, kind of. So I think the example that you gave was super helpful because I can remember like before I worked with life coaches. Um, And also my therapist, Um, I think a lot of the times my emotions basically controlled all my actions. So the example that you shared about like, oh, me being in the driver's seat and then like fear, frustration, whatever is the passenger like sitting in the back. I like literally imagined fear taking the driving wheel and like, you know, skirting me over onto the side or something like that. And that's happened a lot of times in my life. Um And, you know, sometimes it still happens, but I do totally get what you mean by like, okay, mindfulness practice of, oh, I recognize that they're there. They're kind of just coming with me, but I'm still the one that's like, okay, I'm driving. Like I am the one that's making the decisions and I'm the one that's taking action based off of what I actually feel grounded in instead of letting fear decide for me what action I'm going to take. Right.
0: Because those are like temporary passengers in the car. Yeah. You know, like they're not going to be with us the whole journey and they could just sit down and be quiet. They don't need to be like giving us direction. Yeah. Right. So that's what it is. But I don't know if that really answered the question. Well, I,
1: well, the question, let me repeat it. So the question was, how do you detach yourself from those emotions. Cause I, maybe I didn't ask it so clearly. I think I like mixed through questions in one, but I guess, yeah. For people who yeah. are listening, yeah. detaching, detaching yeah. your emotions.
0: So it's not like you're not experiencing them because you're, you're there. So when you're sitting down in meditation, it's very simple. And that's why people kind of don't like it. It's really hard to get people to like, okay, sit down for 15 minutes a day and meditate because yeah. you sit down and you close your eyes and it's like, Shit show, right? It's like, <laughs> oh my God, I gotta do this and this and this and that. Like, what the hell am I still doing sitting here? There's so many things to mm. do. And it feels like like anxiety and stress and like it it feels yuck, but it really is sitting down and then that stuff is already there. You know, that mm. anxiety, that you're it's already operating. It's just that you're now you're sitting down and you're recognizing it. Mm. And so that's why people don't like to do it. But the way that you detached is like. When you're focused on something like your breath long enough that those emotions will come up, but you could redirect your attention, Mm. right? Like where that you place your focus. It's like being in that car. There's fear sitting in the passenger side, but I'm looking straight ahead. So like the fear is going to quiet down because my attention isn't on it. It's there, but my attention's on the road and I'm not going to let fear get in front of my line of vision or take over the driver's seat. It's just sitting there and I know it's there. So there was like an automatic kind of, I'm not the fear. It's just here. And -hmm. when you're sitting and meditating, you can actually recognize it coming and going, you know? And that's the de- detachment. Like you're the big sky. You're the big blue sky. And all these emotions are just clouds, like just passing through. And if you sit long enough, they do pass. And if you do that consistently, you learn like, that's not me. I'm not scared. That's just an emotion flowing through my experience. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to get it the first time you sit down and meditate, not even the hundredth time, but it's something that you cultivate over time that gets like stronger and stronger where you're able to just move your attention with more skill.
1: Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay. That definitely answered the question. And then <laughs> it definitely reminded me of, I think, an episode I recorded in season one called Rest in Peace. This was a very dramatic title because I was like, let's make it dramatic. <laughs> it was called Rest in Peace to the Me I Learned to Love, which was basically an episode talking about grief. And in that episode, I mentioned like, oh, I thank goodness, like nobody in my family, I didn't lose anybody in my family or in my immediate circle thanks in during COVID. But during like those these past three years, I have been going through some sort of like grief towards myself and like the identity that I have and like how I want to show up in the world. And I just kept thinking, well, basically, when you were describing all of this, like grief sat there for a really long time in this like (laughs) road trip. And there were lots of times I think that I could have let grief take over, and instead it was more like, okay, I know it's there. This is very uncomfortable. Grief takes up a lot of space in the car. Grief is like literally sprawled out <laughs> with like its arms and legs all over the place. They're eating chips and they're just like spilling things. All very over cozy the- here. Oh grief. yeah, grief is loving it, and I'm over here like, okay, just keep going, just keep going. And it is an uncomfortable feeling. Um, But I think also I think cultivating like a mindfulness practice or just any awareness around like emotions, feelings is super helpful because then your actions aren't necessarily being dominated by them. And instead, Mm -hmm. you're actually doing things that I think you won't necessarily like regret, I think, after gives you more choice. Yeah, more choice. It's not,
0: you know, when you don't know that that feeling is going to end, you make bad choices. Mm -hmm. But if you know, like, okay, grief's here, and which I don't think, you know, with grief, it's different. It's kind of like, sometimes you got to let grief take the wheel and let it drop you off where it needs to. And I feel like wherever it does, there's a learning there and a healing and You know, like in this, in America, in this Western world, we just want everything to feel good all the time. We're addicted Mm. to feeling good. And that's just not, you know, like Buddha says, like life is suffering. It's not supposed to feel good all the time. There's, if you love, there's grief, right? Yeah. As it ends, like people die. That's just, that's just the truth. Things end. jobs end. what you wanted to be that ends. There's just grief. That's a part of it. And it is sad, and that's okay. And just knowing like after sadness, it's not forever. It's flowing out like those clouds. and then there there's new clouds, and there's sun yeah. and the sky. And so it's okay to go there and just it, it it's courageous to go there because you don't know where it's going to take yeah. you. You know, but like sometimes our hearts need to break open and then something new is born, Mm. you know. So like just being brave about it, I think, and especially like for us and the journey that we're on, it's like we have to be we have to let a lot of things die. Yeah, a lot of (laughs) things. A lot of things like that's dead. I wanted to do that.
1: Mm -mm. Mm, Yep. (laughs) LOL. (laughs) Jokes on you. (laughs) Um, Okay. So I guess then for the people who want to incorporate more mindfulness into their lives or keep up with it, uh, can you share two tips for them? Um, I like to break it up into like tangible tactical. So these are things that like, you know, get a corner, blah, blah, blah. And then also like the emotional, mental, spiritual, because I feel like a lot of people, me included, when I first started with like a mindfulness or meditative practice, I was like, oh, I got to get a yoga mat. And then um, I wanted to get like a little candle. Uh, and then I kind of like built a space. But then the act of actually doing the thing I was like, hmm, this candle is not necessarily doing its job. So yeah. <laughs> Can you share a tangible tactical tip and then like an emotional, mental, spiritual one? Yeah. So
0: I th- I love community. I think if you want to do anything consistently, like the other C is like community. So like if you want to meditate and you want to be like a meditator and like do it every morning, I highly suggest like getting a buddy to do it with you or joining a meditation group. There's tons of them that like you log in and on Zoom and you just meditate together because it is a difficult practice because there's nobody there. Yeah. It's just you. And you. It's so easy to be like, hmm. I don't feel like doing it, you know, uh, but I think we just like with all habits, attaching the practice to something that you're doing already is a, a way to make it stick. And if you aren't the kind of person that could sit down and, you know, with your yoga mat and light your candle and your Palo Santo and like do the whole thing. I'm all about like taking, like I said, like that practice on the go, like, you're meditating. Mindfulness is lovely because you could take it on the go. Because like I said, it's like a lens as well, a way that you view and interact with life. And so just starting small, making your practice, drinking your cup of coffee Mm. in the morning. If you drink coffee every day, you're doing it already every day. It's already a built-in habit. You could build a mindfulness practice in it. So just making sure that you're present and grounded and aware When you were drinking your cup of coffee, that is your point of focus is your this action of drinking coffee and all of your attention is there. And when your mind starts to think about work or the commute to work or the, you know, your kids or relationship or whatever you got going on, just redirecting your attention back to the coffee and that everything that has to do with the coffee, the taste, the smell, the warmth in your hands, and just staying there, that's a practice, you already doing it anyway. And you could cultivate this awareness that's going to keep you grounded throughout your day, just doing that every, you know, five minutes a day. And as that practice grows, mindfulness is like kindness, <laughs> it just grows. So if you're mindful here in this spot, it's going to leak over mm-hmm. kind of just like our bad habits too, right? Yeah, like, It's just going to leak over into something else. Then you'll be more mindful in the car. Then you'll be more mindful interactions with others. And so Mm. it's a practice, but then it just be kind of it with practice and time, it becomes who you are grounded, aware, paying attention. You have more control over your focus, which has been really freaking difficult over the past three years. Like focus is like a thing. There's so many apps and dings and calendars and this and that it's like I sit down at my computer and it takes me a good 15 minutes to like settle into like, all right, I'm writing this article or I'm researching this attentions everywhere so just building it into something that you do already, it's going to help you focus, stay grounded, stay calm, peace, clarity. And then everything that's challenging that you're experiencing might come up too, Mm. to your awareness. Because when you're aware, like, okay, I'm actually feeling a little anxious today. Yeah. Take care of yourself in a better way that's mm-hmm. going to be more conducive to yourself and everybody around you now you know okay i'm feeling anxious this emotion is an informant there is something that needs to be done here let me you know look around and see what that is make a list you know what i'm saying like once you are make the choice to sit and practice whatever that can be it be brushing your teeth it yeah. could be your morning walk what you have a dog That could be your mindfulness practice, but just something that you're doing, just do it. (laughs) Like just actually do that thing without letting your attention go. Mm. Laundry, you're just folding laundry. Dishes, you're just washing dishes. Even in this conversation, I'm just having a conversation. I'm not like looking behind you at those calendars, wondering what you're doing in November and December. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I'm just like right here, present. I think that's a lovely way to begin A mindfulness practice that's going to stick, and I it will grow into like, all right, I think I could sit, you know, let me find a group or let me find a teacher. And I think it's, sorry, I'm like rambling. I think it's always great to find a teacher, not just because I am one, but there are so many things that come up during a practice that make you a little bit insecure Mm. that you're doing it right or wrong. Like I'm not sure if this is right or this is, you know, there's a lot of that when you start. So that's why I say community. So you have people that are like in it with you where you could be like, I actually didn't meditate that whole time. And I was just, you know, in an argument, (laughs) um, I'm already in an argument with my coworker and I'm just thinking about what I'm going to say to her when I see her, Mm -hmm. you know, doing that the whole time. And then the community rallying around and being like, oh yeah, you know, that happens because it does, you know? So
1: I love that. I also really believe that when you attach it to something that you already do, Um, It makes it like 10 times easier. And then it kind of it really does expand because I remember when I wanted to build like a mindfulness practice, I wanted more like a morning routine. And then I didn't even realize that I built a mindfulness practice because then I like I started doing things and then they kind of just like added to each other. So then it was like, you know, sun salutations in the morning. I don't do very many but I do them um and then after it's like a glass of water then it's my coffee then I come to my desk then I start journaling and all of that I've realized like because I've been building on it and doing it for so long if I don't do it to start my day I'm like I am scattered like yeah. my brain is going like a mile a minute I cannot focus on any task I need to do and what I really need was to just kind of like clear everything first to kind of start the way I want to start, which is like calm, not Mm -hmm. scattered and not like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I think that's like,
0: you know, love yourself. You know, everyone's always like self-love, self-care. It's like if you were thinking about care for yourself, wouldn't you take five minutes or whatever, 20 minutes, 30 minutes to yourself in the beginning of the day to like get your ass right before you go out there and be bombarded with other people's energy. It's like, can I have my energy right first? Can I get aligned and calm and grounded here and have my own plan of things I need to do today before I get infiltrated by everyone else's? the greatest act of self-love I mm. think you know, and that builds on you know that everything builds on itself you know yeah. boundaries are created your worth is created I'm worth it you know that yeah. 20 minutes in the morning and that builds on itself too so when people are you know being crazy you know like I have some worth here and you can't talk to me like that or yeah. I won't do that. and and so it is the highest act of self love, I think, is just
1: having that practice
0: in the morning for
1: yourself and at night. Yeah, I'm working on the nighttime one. Um, it's a work in progress. Yeah. The morning one, I'm like, oh, this is great. Nighttime Yo, one, really one, we're we're can't working. Do out. it all at one time. I know. it's like if
0: I got my morning routine going, then the night routine's off. But the night's off or the night's on, then the morning. Yeah. It's like I'm not just gonna like get it all together. Like my mom like <laughs> has it together.
1: Oh my gosh. That's so <laughs> like funny.
0: I like so many rituals. Like that's amazing, you know? But. I know.
1: Okay. So now that we kind of shared a little bit about mindfulness, I am curious to know because something that you shared, I think it's not on your website, but kind of using your personal story for, I guess, creating change or creating opportunities. I'm not totally sure, but what parts of your personal story did you tap into that you were most afraid of. And then how did that change your life or what happened afterward? I kind of know a little bit of your story, mainly because we did a TEDx, like we were in TEDx Elthorne together back in December 2021. So I will actually link ICO's TEDx talk in the show notes. But I mean, tapping into your story is really scary. Admitting things to yourself is really scary. So, and there's lots of parts of our stories, right? Like, you know, it's not just okay, one and done, I flip the page and the story's over. As we live our lives, our story expands and changes and like certain conflict resolution, all of that stuff also shifts because time passes. So what part of your story did you tap into that you were most afraid of if you feel comfortable sharing? Or if you haven't tapped into it yet, I don't want you to be like, oh yeah, tell all on this podcast. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> if you have one. Well, you know that I grew up,
0: I'm mixed race, so I'm Black and Japanese. I grew up in an all white area. My parents were, this is like, where's the violin? Uh, <laughs> uh, my parents were divorced. My dad was abused. He's passed away now, but oh, he was, wow.
1: I'm yeah, so he was a,
0: he was a abusive, he was a, he was had drug addiction problems. He was in the military. He was a doctor. He was a lot of things, but my parents and so I grew up with my Japanese mother, my two sisters who are also black and Japanese in this all white area. And we grew up really poor because we didn't have two parents. We just had one immigrant mother um, in California, in L.A. And so we grew up really poor, but we grew up in all white spaces. So we were just OK enough to live in a white area, but we were mm-hmm. like the poorest people in the area. So being like an outlier, you know, just kind of not really fitting in when I was younger, created a lot of feelings of not being worthy, Mm. insecurity, anti-Blackness, a lot of things that I had to learn and unlearn about myself that was created by the environment that I was in that had like nothing to do with me personally. Yeah. And also... I have, I have like a lot of compassion and forgiveness towards like everybody that I grew up with because they didn't know either, but a lot of the microaggressions and the racism and the white supremacy that was just like embedded into the culture. I didn't realize had such a negative effect on my like body image, self-image and Mm -hmm. like how I carried myself about and life until I was an adult, until I became mindful, until Mm. I was like, where did that thought come from? What's this feeling like? Or why is this relationship that I'm in suitable when it's not Mm. just being a lot of self-inquiry? So growing up in that kind of challenging circumstance and challenging circumstances has been like the. The juiciness of everything that I do, because I feel like I've experienced a lot of suffering and maybe a lot of like my peers that were going through the same challenges didn't have this other layer of mm-hmm. poverty or racism or not belonging like me. So I was able to, you know, relate to people more easily, um, understand emotions more easily because I was always in them. Mm. So a lot of everything that I've experienced in my life has led me to do what I want to do, made me very purposeful and just wanting to, you know, cultivate awareness for everybody. Like I said, it's like the people that I love and that I grew up with, didn't know that they were causing me harm. By their ignorance about white supremacy, how it functions, yeah. even the misogyny, uh, the noir, all of it, the Asian fetishing, all mm. of the stuff that I experienced being in all white spaces really kind of led me into this work of just wanting to cultivate awareness, mm. you know, decrease the biases, like make yeah. people aware that we are really dehumanizing and unkind and that we're living in like, you know, I say like white supremacy is like my friends are just like fish, like swimming in that water. Like they don't know it's there. Yeah. You know, a lot of people just are not aware. And so it's like, I'm not mad or angry, but I would like to cultivate some awareness that we're living in some systems that are harmful. Mm. And that has really informed what I wanted to do. Um, Mm. mindfulness is about cultivating awareness but with kindness and compassion which is which is what I think is the greatest healer in the world you know and so it's not I'm not angry at the work but but I just recognize that and I do believe this that everybody is has a really kind heart and they just have, there's just layers of conditioning mm. need to be unlearned. So I feel like everything that I've experienced is on purpose. So I could do this work of, you know, cultivating awareness and yeah, compassion. Kind
1: of mm. Okay. There's a lot to unpack there. I don't even know where to start. I guess when, you know, you were sharing about like when you were growing up and being in the situation that you lived in and like, you know, taking on a lot of like, internalized um, anti-Blackness, racism, misogyny, and all of these things, classism even. What, I guess, was it like to finally start unpacking that? Because I feel like maybe Mm. this is me perceiving these things or I'm projecting them, who knows. Um, But currently in the world, I feel like we are in this very like, tension, push-pull of what's happening in the world, culturally, socially, we think about like justice and um, reparations and all of that. I feel like there's like palpable tension. And I also feel like we experience this when we start to decide to I guess, choose to change something in our life, Um, whether that is your, it could be like, honestly, choosing to change your job or choosing to move to somewhere else. Or even if we want to go deeper than that, like in the personal development space, um, choosing to get mindful about uh, the emotions that you're dealing with, or, you know, choosing to start unlearning a lot of these harmful conditionings that we have basically adopted, Oh gosh, did I lose my question? Well, what I guess was the the catalyst to like push you to explore this because I mean it's scary. It's really scary, especially if like, you know, you're we're all drinking the Kool-Aid. And then when you don't, when you stop drinking the Kool-Aid, you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> you're like, what? Yeah. You know, I think
0: that for me, it always starts, and I think for everybody, really your own suffering, right? Mm. I, you know, still do, you know, experience depression, it comes, it goes. Um, I was in bad relationships that were really toxic. And I was always kind of getting that short end of the stick. Um, So it all started with just me wanting to get to peace. And Mm. then looking at You know, what was preventing the piece from being a part of my experience at that time? It was like a poor body image, my relationship that was really volatile, and mainly those two things. And so, just for example, self image, you know, thinking that I'm like fat or that my lips are too big or that my hair is too big or just any of those things, like getting from that place to acceptance and learning takes a learning. Well, and curiosity my lips are too big compared to what Mm. you know like where did I get the idea of like where did that standard of beauty come from and that just curiosity I think gives you and when you land at the conclusion right like oh I think that my lips are too big because there's a standard of beauty that's very American and white and I just don't fit that and I grew up around it and so I've kind of internalized this feeling of being ugly Mm. And it comes down to that, you know, and so when I recognize like, oh, that's why I feel that way. It's not me. It's not anyone's fault. It's kind of just the cultural conditioning. I kind of I get compassion for myself and then other people that might be experiencing the same thing. And so I think if everybody can just pay attention to their own suffering and get curious about it, then it it unleashes this compassion and kindness towards other people automatically, because once you could get soft with yourself and nurture, then you kind of ease up the judgment on everybody else. Mm. And I think that's what everybody should do instead of trying to figure out you know, you know, that person's racist. Let me go teach and talk about, you know, why they're that way. And let me tell them about like the history and whatever. Truly that person is full of fear, unhappy. And, you know, anger is just the cover for being scared. Yeah. You know, being scared is because you're believing things that may may or not be in the, probably not in the environment and believing things that aren't true about other people. Yeah. And so, Like once we get curious about our anger, which is really the fear, and then there's like a soothing and a compassion and a nurturing that happens. It kind of like the anger dissipates and it's compassion. Oh, that's not true. Like you understand what I mean? So I think whatever everybody, if they just paid attention to their own suffering and healing, whatever that is. Anxiety about your family, your relationship, the stress, the depression, the whatever it is you're experiencing, everybody just mind the business, man in the mirror. And then I feel like then we could start to recognize each other's humanness,
2: mm.
0: you know, and we kind of let go of that idea of like, we're all supposed to be like perfect, the standard of behavior and, you know, wealth and beauty. And we could let that go yeah. because I think there's a lot of, you know, people are harsh to themselves and then judge others.
1: Oh yeah. Totally see that. I think that's where a lot of it, what you mentioned about like being scared and then like anger is the thing that covers like feeling fear or being scared. I think yeah. it was very, very true. I mean, I know I've experienced it where I was scared about something and then I kind of like came out in anger and frustration because I didn't realize that I was like worried or oh Kind of just like insecure. Yeah. Well, it's just like if you're driving and you're driving
0: and everything's fine and then somebody cuts you off, you're like, fucking asshole. You're pissed. But it's really because you're scared that you almost died. Yeah. You know, like that's that's really the best example. I'm pissed because you almost freaking killed me and I don't want to die. I'm scared of death. Yeah. you know. And so all anger is just fear,
2: Mm.
0: fear of fear of losing something, yourself, a person, an object, a material status. That's all anger is just a cover for that. So um, I think we're angry because we're fearful that we're Mm. losing something.
1: And that is definitely something to explore. I know I always ask everybody at the end of this uh, episode to share a journaling prompt, but I'm going to do a little caveat. If you want, whoever's listening, maybe to explore where anger is coming from, if you are experiencing it. But I do have another question. So regarding back to like personal stories, do you think there is power and weakness in personal stories? Or is there a thing as like weakness in a personal story or not? Because I do feel like sometimes people, I'm thinking about it more from like a personal branding thought leadership point of view, um, which is what we do with our clients at the Quirky Pineapple Studio, they feel like sometimes their personal stories end up sounding weak or it positions them as weak. Do you think there is like weakness in pers- like sharing your personal story or is it all like power? It's all power.
0: I think that like if you can get real and talk about your story with without the shame Mm-hmm. And that's like true power, you know? Like accepting that, you know, I think the victimhood of it, that's where people feel like weak. Like mm-hmm. I could say, you know, we grew up poor and I was like black and a but there's also good things that happen. Obviously, not the racism. I didn't need that. You know, yeah. like I, I'm good. <laughs> yeah,
1: we could have I'm gonna <laughs> let that. that one slide a little. Yeah, I'm good <laughs> with that.
0: But being I could look to the positive, right? And, and that's what you have to do. So yeah. if you don't do that, then we're like sliding into victimhood. But we could say, like, what have I learned from this? Just like life, like life is our teacher. Whatever you're experiencing is a moment of Teaching, And so what is the most skillful way to handle this? How could I take care of myself during this? And, and if you're learning through your life, life is just going to get better and better. Hmm. And so there is no shame in telling your personal story if it's hard and difficult, because it depends on where you are if you're still in this like victim mode of, you know, things being out of your, your control, which they are most of the time when you're, you know, young and the kid, if you're still in that as an adult, then you don't give yourself the, you know, the agency to make choices. And that's not that's false. That's not true. You do now. So I always think it's powerful if you could keep it real, no matter how, how difficult it was, because the power isn't like how you have overcome or your lens on it,
2: Hmm. you know,
0: lens on it. What did that mean? Where did I, what did I grow? What did I learn? How am I different? And so I experienced a lot of racism and misogyny and a lot of othering But now I'm like a people person, I'm really comfortable in conflict. Um, I have an awareness. I have a kindness. I have a compassion. If someone's like in the corner and they're feeling left out, like there's an alert system that goes on. Like I'm an encounter now. There's so many things that were challenging about growing up that really benefit me as an adult now because I was learning how to manage those circumstances at that time or even not at that time, but as an adult being like, well, I should have done this and I should have done that. So yeah, the dirtier, the better. I think the story, the more different difficult the better as long as you're authentic in what you learned or haven't learned or still learning. I'm still learning a lot.
1: I have something that you shared, I think, made me think about some of the conversations I have with my therapist about like, oh, because like we're working through some stuff where like we're pulling from my childhood or like, you know, all of these things. And something that she shared was like, well, it doesn't make sense to fully blame because like, you know, maybe maybe some people knew what they were doing but most of the time people kind of just don't know what they're doing um Mm -hmm. this is not to say not keeping people accountable or like taking responsibility for their actions but it's also it's like a duality it's like it's not either or it's a lot of like and also Mm -hmm. and i think that also is kind of what we were talking about earlier in this conversation about like the palpability of that tension because like Mm -hmm. of course you want to blame, you want to be like, dude, they fucking sucked. Like, my life sucks because of you. Um, <laughs> if I didn't listen to you, I would have been like living it up, right? When in reality, it's oh, you know, maybe they were doing the best that they could, and you also have to take responsibility to say, Oh, I also could have chose differently, and that's where like that uncomfortableness, I think, always creeps in. Because like I can feel it right now in my chest, like just talking to you about it. I'm like, Oh it is an uncomfortable feeling because it's like, (laughs) oh, I have to take responsibility. Like I didn't do what was best for me in that moment. And I want to blame someone and I can blame myself, but then what am I going to do when I blame myself? Like what happens after? Like I got to give myself compassion. Like I got to, you know, give myself that tenderness and like that softness of you did what you thought was right at the time
0: when I teach compassion, which I think is like the most difficult thing for people, like we do not let ourselves off the hook. Mm. You know, that conversation that I had like a year ago where I said like something stupid, like, it'll like pop up in my head still. And I'll be like, oh, you idiot. Like, so this compassion work is really important because there's no learning without compassion. Mm -hmm. You know, I always use the example of like a baby, like when you're teaching, like, and we're all like, like, let's give ourselves a break here. Like we're all babies like trying to learn how to get through this life in a way that gives us the things that we want, freedom, peace, happy, joy, whatever. But we're babies in this journey, learning how to walk through it. And so if there was an actual baby learning how to walk, which is like age appropriate for a baby. And this is age appropriate for us learning how to do what we're doing. If the baby fell down learning how to walk, it would, I would say encouraging things. Good try, you Mm -hmm. know, let's try again. I would hold your, hold the baby's hands and then I would let it go and be very gentle because I know that's how people learn. That's how humans learn. If the baby falls down, I'm not like you fucking stupid baby, (laughs) get the hell up and, you know, get to it. Like that's not learning like that. That is going to make the baby not want to get up and sit down and cry some more because of that energy. And it's the same thing for us. We need to be the parents of ourselves and give ourselves that compassion, Mm. which is difficult, you know you don't know where you're going, you fell down, but easy up, you know, like you dust, your, dust yourself off, it's okay, like, here we go again. And like this real gentle learning and kindness As we fall and as we get up, and this is how we grow, you know. So the compassion is everything. And I think that's like the missing ingredient. Mm -hmm. We'll fuck up and then we'll be like, okay, we gotta figure something else out. And then we're like on to the next thing without doing that like nurturing thing where it's like we're dusting ourselves off and like that was a tough little (laughs) tough little thing. What did I learn? Okay, I have to hold on to the rail here, like while I'm going, you know, and so compassion everything, everything, everything. It's the, it's the missing ingredient.
1: Mm, I, I totally agree. I feel like, I mean, cultivating compassion, I'm still working on it. I, in some days I'm like a lot better than others, but I definitely feel like that compassion piece helps a lot because one it gives me hope that i can continue it also like with more compassion i give to myself it doesn't like unwaver my faith i guess i have in myself yeah. and then also with the compassion it kind of is like what you said about like parenting myself i'm giving myself like that love that you know i need at this moment and right now i mean i i live far away from my family so i need that i need somebody me to give me that love because I mean right now as an adult it's kind of just me yes I have like you know my partner and like friends and all of that stuff but at the end of the day like dude it's me <laughs> that's it that's me it's it me.
0: feels so unnatural especially like if you're an American mm. to like go easy on yourself yeah you know it's part of us that just wants to like beat us up you know like beat ourselves up like and compassion feels like you said like letting yourself off the hook but and it's really like the opposite of what you naturally would do just because we're conditioned to be like really, you know, perfectionist, you know, in this culture. And so like, it really feels like counterproductive and wrong when you're like letting yourself be messy and letting that be okay and forgiving towards yourself. It's like real practice. And Mm -hmm. like, there's a lot of learning there too. Like while you're doing it, it's like, whoa, like I am so hard on myself. I can't even Say it's okay. <laughs> Try again tomorrow. Like there's so much resistance in doing that. And and so much stuff that comes up. It's really interesting. I could just like spend all day with myself being like, wow, that's interesting. <laughs> well, that's interesting. <laughs> oh gosh, where'd this come from? Oh shit. Where'd this come from? Yeah, there's so much to learn here. You know, like that's what I'm saying. Like, you don't need to pay attention to anybody else. Like, figure out your own shit show. <laughs> yeah. And then like, yeah. And then people learn, you become a vibe you know, who are like in your passion, you're in your purpose, you're working, you're practicing self love, you're grounded, people are just naturally attracted to your presence. Mm. You know, oh, you feel so calm. You feel so that it's like, oh, no, I'm just like practicing, focusing on my breath. (laughs)
1: Like (laughs) just breathing,
0: (laughs) breathing, you know, because but really, it's because everybody's energy is like so wild. I know that you have that practice of just like calm, compassion, kindness. Like I think it's great for your business.
1: Yeah, it's, it
0: is because people come to us when they need help
2: yeah. with whatever.
0: You have a service-based business; they come into you because they need something from you. And if you are a calm presence and you're able to focus and give people themselves, you know, if you give yourself compassion, it's easier to give other people compassion. Like it's a vibe for business. I'm not kidding. Like if you want better business, like start mindful, start practicing.
1: <laughs> I'm even thinking. Like I mean, I. I'm not my partner, but I'm like, oh, for all the people who are like looking for a partner and you were just saying it's a vibe. I'm like, I think it's a vibe if you're looking to like couple up, if you really want to. Um, I haven't dated in a long time, but (laughs) I think that's how it works these days. Ah,
0: No, it is. It is. I think that like if you are showing up as like your best calm, present, most kindest like self-loved self, then you are only going to attract that kind of person. Like yeah. someone that this chaotic, crazy, angry energy is going to be like, "Oh, like you're too, you're too, too like calm. right, too calm,
1: you know, and I, not needy." You yes. Need- I was even thinking like you don't have space for drama. Um, And I remember when I was like um, a teenager, I loved drama. I was just like inserting myself (laughs) in everyone's business because I was like, I am here to help. I am here (laughs) to show you the way, which is like all ego, really. I I literally imagine. Well, not imagine because it literally happened. Um, I can really remember myself in middle school. I think I like wrote um, love notes to two separate people thinking that I was going to be Cupid. And I was just like, you know, I was a little bit of an asshole. I think I just like inserted myself into other people's business when they didn't really need me, but it was just like creating this drama around, you know, myself and like my worth and like how people see me because I wasn't necessarily probably grounded. I mean, at 14, how grounded can you be? But I think about it now I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, I don't know things that are happening in other people's lives. And like, when people, you know, come and they like share with me, I'm there to listen. But, like, if people want to gossip and stuff, I'm like, dude, I don't I don't care. I don't want to hear it. like i I've now removed myself from a lot of the stuff sometimes, like when my I think about my mom and like, if you all know like Asian American, I don't know if in Japanese American, but definitely Vietnamese American culture, they love their gossip. Um, They love it. So when my mom tries and comes in with like just gossip because she likes it. I always think to myself, oh, I feel bad that I'm not that I don't know anything about my family. But then at the same time, I'm like, I don't think it's any of my business to really know unless they tell me. And that Mm -hmm. has created so much Peace and like it's a dual thing. So I like feel guilty because I'm like, oh, I don't know anything. Maybe I should know more, blah, blah, blah. But like it's not really knowing because they want me to know. It's knowing because somebody else kind of like, you know, yeah. whispered it behind like closed doors. And then I have to hold that. It's a lot of things want- that you're holding for other people that might like, you know. To- holding, I don't, right. I don't want to hold anything. Yeah. Hands are full. Yeah, exactly. With my own shit. Like what you said about take care of your own shit show. Like I have my own shit show to take care of like that is plenty. And
0: and like literally when every when anybody ever calls me to like talk shit about someone else, I always say the same thing. Well, who am I to talk? You know, like who I Like I've like I've done embarrassing, shameful, regretful, ridiculous, stupid things forever, you know? And who am I? I think an automatic judgment like puts you like above and like, honey, not me. (laughs) I just it just can't be me. And I think that's what a mindfulness practice does. Like actually, it grounds you because Mm. you're in the reality of you, and Mm. you know you're perfect, and you know that's okay. So the judgment about others is like,
2: Mm. oh, I
1: love that.
0: Yeah, not there.
1: Um, Mm -hmm. Okay, so I I have a couple more questions before we like wrap up about reintegrating your body and mind and this still goes with um the mindfulness practice so in your TEDx talk you shared about the what the fuck face something that I personally love again I will link this in the show notes so you all can watch it it's it's a really great TEDx talk can I test? that's like my question break. For- yeah I- <laughs> I <want to> test? <laughs> I um So can you give us a little bit more information on what is the what the fuck face and how it can be a sign to change something? Yes, absolutely. Well, we've been
0: talking about it all day, you know, is that sometimes we are so clouded with the busyness of our life that in our minds, we don't really know what's happening. We just have an idea about what's happening. We have thoughts about what's happening a little bit delusional sometimes, a little delulu. Oh, yes. I was just about to say, do
1: you know about the delulu and the trululu? A little
0: delulu. A little
2: delulu. Um,
0: But I don't think our like our bodies are filled with wisdom. Like, and I think I've mentioned in the talk, like when we're sitting down at a computer, we're about to type something, I don't have to tell each individual finger which where every key is. It already knows because it's practiced. Our bodies already interpret experience and interpret information all the time. And it we get anxiety, we could feel it because there's stress in the environment. There's something that's not in alignment in our body. We experience it as anxiety. And that might mean heart beating, sweating, a little like raw chest. There's all these things that we experience in our minds, we not, we might not connect the two.
2: Hmm. Oh, I'm
0: anxious. You're just experiencing the, the, um, the feeling. And then without that information, I'm anxious moving about life. You'll make a lot of mistakes because Mm -hmm. you're not giving yourself that time to be like, Oh my God, like something's operating here. That's going to, cloud my judgment and make me do something that might be inappropriate or make it harder for me. Hmm. So I think using your body, integrating your mind and body is the best way to make choices. What am I feeling? What are the actual sensations in my body that I'm feeling? And then with my mind, what is the reality of the experiencing that the experience that I'm in? or that I'm witnessing that integration. That's how you make choices. But when you're speaking to someone, I'm just like thinking about dating, like just put it out there. Someone could be talking to you, you know, oh, I'm this and I'm that, and I go here and I go there, you know, and you're listening to this, your mind might want to believe all that, you know, potential mate, boyfriend, whatever, like looks good on paper, but you're But your body might recognize this energy as untrue, you know, because it has experienced people being untrue before. So it's practice, just like your 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 fingers on the keyboard. Like it's practice. It knows. So your face might be like, what the fuck? You know, eyebrows like scowled, uh, eyes squinted. Yeah, like like, a
1: scrunched up, like
0: a (laughs) scrunch, like, huh? Like what the fuck are you saying? Like your body will tell you just as much as your mind will, but we're so head, we're so head heavy Mm. um, culture where we got to like, think about it, you know, instead of like feel about it. So it's like you, not one or the other, but both, Mm. you know, what the, like, yeah, listen to that, be in your body and recognize, oh, my face is like, not, (laughs) not, doesn't understand the information that's being told to me. Right. It is like saying, what the fuck? And, To just let that be part of the information, you know, not like let it make all the decisions, but like my body didn't feel right in that interaction. I, but my daughter's 18 and I told her when she was like little, like when someone gives you like creepy, like when I was teaching her about creeps, like creepy perverts, I'm like, you, when you feel uncomfortable, that's the sign. Like, don't let your niceness get in the Mm -hmm. way, your politeness you don't want to be rude. As girls, we're conditioned to be nice and polite and smile Mm -hmm. and you and okay, like really, you know, cooperative. And it might go against what you're the uncomfortable feeling you're experiencing in your body. And to her, when it comes to those things, I've always said, well, listen to your body. If you're Mm -hmm. uncomfortable, then you need to like, don't play nice. You be polite. Thank you. Goodbye. That's it. But you don't have to be nice. You don't have to and smile and do all that and placate. There's like a difference. Yeah. You know, and your body knows. So just trust your body. Tune in and let it give you some information.
1: Mm, I love that. Um, I will again link it in the show notes so you can watch it. I go explains it. Really well, and give some like really <laughs> awesome um, examples in her TED talk about it. And actually, I remember after listening to your TED talk, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" You know, I always used to people used to always tell me like, "Oh, your face says so much." Like, I'm not very good at like poker face <laughs> things. Kind of just like read off of my face very easily, and I used to always feel bad about it. Cause it was like, oh, I'm like reacting in a way that like, you know, people don't like, or maybe I need to kind of like tone it down. Maybe I need to like, you know, play into whatever game. But I think also what you were saying about like reintegrating your body and mind, I was so separated, I think from my body and like what it was trying to tell me that I was just like, okay, mind, mind, mind all the time. And our mind plays tricks on us. Like mind wants to... Mind always loop. wants to keep us. Yeah. Mind a little de-loo-loo. Um a little All of us are a little delulu up there. <laughs> um, so it's always trying to keep me safe, which is awesome. Thank you, mind. But body probably knows truth like instantly first. Mm. And I'm not saying like what you were saying, like don't do one or the other. They definitely need to work together. And it's not saying like something's good or something's bad, but something's giving you information. And mm-hmm. it's our job to kind of like sit with that. And I think just explore it so that we can make a decision that is aligned with whatever values we have or, you know, how we want to live our lives and all of that stuff. Um, Before I would just like ignore (laughs) face reaction and was like, no, let me try. And it always bit me in the butt. You know what just
0: happened recently? And I think it's really important to recognize what, when something good happens or when something challenging happens, like what that actually feels like in that moment. So Mm -hmm. I took a test recently and I felt automatically that it was like, I, like I failed it. And Mm -hmm. then I had this feeling of like, um, like I was scared. It was like fear was a little like shaky. And then I recognized that feeling as like, Oh, that's the feeling I get when something new is going to happen. Like I ended up not feeling it, but I ended up passing it. But it was that feeling, Oh, like something new is happening. Like some, there's another part of this. And I recognize I had that same feeling when I found out that I was moving, I had that same feeling when I was doing this or doing that. And so recognizing the feeling and being like, Oh, that means this, not that, like Mm -hmm. it could have been interpreted as failure, this, that something challenging, but then just remembering, Oh, I had this experience here, here and here and here. And it meant this, that's what that means. Like. So it works both ways, mind Mm -hmm. and body, remembering and experiencing. It's a a whole thing. Call me everybody if you want to learn more.
1: (laughs) It's a whole thing called mindfulness. (laughs) Not like we just didn't talk about it. Um, Okay. So I have two final questions for you before we wrap up. Something that I always like to close the conversation with is asking you another thing about conversations. Um, Is there a nuanced conversation that you think we're not having enough of? I do. And I, we talked about it that and,
0: or both, Mm -hmm. you know, there's, it's ever there's not just one I mean obviously there's alternative facts or whatever they call it <laughs> but both things can be true at one time you know like I can be I think that's that's the nuance missing in everything and isn't that like what nuance like means it's like yeah. it is like everything could be happening at one time I could be Happy and scared at the same time. I could be angry, but still have access to joy in the next mm. moment. Like there's so many things that are happening. We, we live in like, what do they call it? Like that binary yep. where it's like the good and the bad. And that, that's completely false. It's just, it is everything happening at one time. And then your, your lens on it, like what mm. you choose to believe here, what is going to be the most beneficial for you. And everybody else, and you get to choose. It's not good or bad. And if it's bad, you can change the lens and make it good. So everything's both and or nothing's, nothing's one or the other. That's what I'm learning now it sucks and it's cool
1: yeah right it does suck it (laughs) it sucks a lot when you're in situations and you're like oh I was the asshole and I was doing what was best for me (laughs) Um, yeah no but it's true think
2: about
0: how much suffering is in like if you don't say well that was the best for me I'm just an asshole. Well, that's not true. You know, both. You are an asshole and it was an awesome for you. Both. And that's okay.
1: That's okay. Both. <laughs> oh, I love that. And actually what you were saying, um have you seen the movie Everything Everywhere All at Once? No. What? I have not. I go, you need to watch it. Because basically what you were describing about like, all possibilities exist at one time so this is Mm -hmm. like multiverse talking now and like parallel universe but in like a different sense so i do think all possibilities are we might have to have just like a separate conversation another podcast episode about the multiverse and you all can hear about my like conspiracy theories around like multiverse and like parallel universes oh i'm with it (laughs) but it's true because all things can exist at once and no spoilers, but in that movie, it explores how you can change your lens to pull on certain things so that you can like basically do what's best for you in that moment in this uh, time. And then right. maybe in a different time, you can pull on something else. And that was like very vague, but I don't want to give spoilers, but yeah. yeah, Don't give it away. But yeah, yeah. I understand what that means. I Thank that's I, I believe that to be true. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Okay. So before we wrap up, I always also like to end every episode with either a journaling prompt, exploratory question or an activity for people to explore after they listen to the episode. So do you have a journaling prompt, exploratory question or an activity for people?
0: Yes. So I was in the shower this morning and I was trying to think about how to word this correctly. But it's an exploratory question. Okay, I'm excited. And it it has to do with attachment. What we were talking about earlier. I think it was Eckhart Tolle that said it. To like when I I heard it when I was like 20. But just for everybody that's beginning to meditate, I think a great question. Okay, let me get this right or screw it up. It's okay. Say you are experiencing. You have. You're depressed, right? You say, "I am depressed." who is the I and then who is the one that's depressed?
2: Mm.
0: You know, like you are, there's there's, there's multiple yous. There's the observer you and the one inside that's experiencing all the things. And so with mindfulness, we become the observer of our experience. That's the detachment. So the question is when you're saying I this or I that, which I is operating? That's mm. my experience like in anything i am this i am that who is the i and then who is the observer if that makes sense
1: Mm. oh i love that yeah
0: who is the observer who is the i a lot of the times like i am sad that's i'm observing that but that's not that's not me i'm not sad i'm just observing Mm. big i is observing little i be sad Mm. If that makes sense, I meant it's something to like get like trip out on a little bit. <laughs>
1: a little bit. But I love existential questions. So these are great. So for all the people who want to explore that, maybe rewind like 10 seconds and then um, write it down. That's something I will be, I think, journaling on tomorrow. Thank you, Aiko, for being here and for sharing your story and sharing all of these tips and information around mindfulness. I I love talking about this and I love talking to you. So can you share um, first, is there anything that you're excited about in the upcoming months? And then where can people reach you? So I'm excited about a lot of things.
0: I'm a part of a mindful writing community. I um, guest teach and host in this community. It's called a very important meeting. So if you are a writer and you need that community and that accountability we talked about with meditating or writing, The link is in my bio on Instagram. It's called a very important meeting. And we meet every morning at 7 a.m. Sometimes I'm hosting. Sometimes I'm just in the class, but it starts off with a 10 minute meditation. And then whoever is hosting holds the space for an hour. While you get your writing done. So you could be writing content, you could be writing your book, your article, your essay, your poems, or whatever, but it's a great space to meditate and then journal, write, do whatever with a community. So I'm really excited about that because. I aspire to be an author one day and I feel like with this community, that's how I'm going to get it done. Like as a practice, I'm also excited that I'm moving close to the beach.
2: Yes. I'm super excited for you.
0: Yeah. And so like, I'm a little in between like this podcast, I'm lost. So what? And, um, Cassandra, you had that episode about starting over and I feel mm. like I'm kind of starting this new chapter where I'm like completely out of my divorce. I'm moving from like our family house to my own house. Mm. And like, so it's a new energy, like a new beginning. It's by the water and it's feels like very exciting and new and scary, both and both new and exciting and completely terrifying at the same time. So I'm excited about that. And um, also um, I live on Instagram. Like I tried being on like threads and all the other things. (laughs) I'm just like not cozy anywhere else. Are you on TikTok? I consume a lot of TikTok.
1: I only create sometimes. Okay,
0: so I'm not on TikTok. I don't know what I meant. Like, I was just curious if you are, because you have so much content. I'm like, are you? It should be on
1: TikTok. I've talked about it with people and they're like, put it on there.
0: "Uh." We're like, why aren't you on TikTok? I'm like, it just seems like really overwhelming. (laughs) Like to start like another thing. Anyways, besides the mindful writing community, I also do like, I'm a meditation teacher and I do like personal coaching. So if you wanted to like practice meditating with me and get coached to get your own practice going, I have that. Everything's on my Linktree in my Instagram profile. I have like, you know, LinkTree, all the things. And then I'm at icomesmith.com. Um, I do corporate mindfulness and workshops and bring me into your job and I'll teach everybody how to relax and stay calm. Stop <laughs> gossiping. Relax you gossip by your work
1: environment. Oh gosh, I love that. Uh no more office politics. Yay. Yes.
0: Yes. With your mindfulness practice. Yes. With this new lens. So those are all the things I got going on. And then throughout the year, I always do like donation workshops and classes and stuff like that. Lots of free things. So
1: I love it. All of that will be linked in the show notes, as well as a lot of the resources that we talked about today. I think that's it. I Thank you so much for joining and for sharing so good to see you! I am excited for everybody else uh, to listen to this. Well, you've already listened to it because if you got to hear, then we're like done. <laughs> um, so thank you, everyone, and we will see you in the next episode. Stay fierce, fam! If you're hearing this message, that means you made it to the end of this episode. Yay! Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and thought to yourself, "Whoa, it me." May- I'd love if you could share this with others, post about it on social media, and or leave a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe too. Want to hang out with me in other areas of the internet? You can follow me on Instagram at Cassandra TLE. For brand message and content marketing tips and resources, check out my business at the Quirky Pineapple Studio. Thanks again and see you in the next episode. Stay fierce, fam.